Hello, and welcome to Educators to Educators podcast. I'm Carrie Conover, and on this episode, we are going to be talking about student agency. Before we get started today and I introduce our very special guest, I just want to remind all of you that this E2E podcast and this episode is brought to you by the E2E membership site. E2E membership is more than just professional development in which you can get official professional development credits to turn into your school district. It is also a beautiful community full of educators from first year teachers to teachers who are about to retire who all support one another. If you want to learn more about becoming an E2E member, head over to educators to educators.com. Once again, that's the number two, not T-O, educators to educators.com. Speaking of that community, today I've asked one of our community members, Jennifer, who is an elementary school teacher, to join us on the podcast to talk about student agency. Jennifer, welcome to the E2E podcast. Hi, thank you. So excited that you're here. Jennifer, you have seven years of experience as an educator, and you have taught in the United States as well as abroad. Will you tell mm-hmm. us where else you have taught? Yeah, um, I started teaching abroad in South Korea, in Seoul, and then I moved over to Nagoya, Japan. And I just moved back to the U.S. in July of last year. What did you miss the most about the United States? Like, did, what was there like a food that you missed or what really felt good to have or see when you came home? Oh, man, that's a good question. Probably, this is going to sound kind of weird, but the, all the cereal choices, there's a lot of <laughs> cereal choices, I know, in the grocery store that you don't have um, overseas. And I love cereal. So that was probably one of my, my main things that I missed the most. This is interesting. Okay. I... I'm going to confess two things that might make some people cry, but I really don't like cereal and I don't like cartoons. That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. That's a great, very like great response. Now that I have kids, I actually like cereal more and I'll throw cereal in my yogurt and stuff. But there's some people that are like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to have a bowl of cereal. That definitely would not be my go-to thing. Oh, that's me all the way. (laughs) You, you're a cereal eater. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, well, you know what? Opposites can attract in many ways here, Jennifer. So <laughs> you have been part of this E2E community since it started. You were just telling me that you used to listen to the podcast when you were abroad, which is just so amazing. Yeah. So you've really been part of this community since it started in 2017. Yeah, definitely. Do you remember, and I'm putting you on the spot here, but are there any episodes or anything like that you feel like you really learned or stand out to you from that you've kind of learned from being part of the community? Yes. One main thing was being able to have like a healthy work-life balance. Because as a younger teacher, when I first got, got started, I was I did not have a healthy work-life balance at all. Um, and that was something that I was really working on. So finding articles and podcasts that helped me figure out and assess where I was with that was super helpful. We did not become teachers for any other reason, I think, besides just like the love of learning and the love of kids. And it's really easy for those lines to get blurred. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad that you ran into us and I'm glad that you (laughs) stuck with us. And I'm glad that you're here today because we're going to talk about student agency, which actually I believe 
helps with teachers' boundaries in a lot of ways. So we're Mm going to, as we always do in the E2E podcast, we're going to break this down into three categories. So our first lesson we're going to talk about is what is student agency? Then we're going to talk about getting started, like what to do first and how to continue it throughout the school year. And then finally, we're going to wrap up talking about ways to incorporate student agency in the classroom setting. So should we get started? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So what is student agency? To me, student agency means just creating opportunities for students to have that choice and ownership in their own learning journey. So do you think that this is something that is new to education? Like when I think about when I was a child learning, I would say that I didn't feel like there was much student agency. Yeah, I definitely think it's it's newer. It's getting more traction. Um, overseas, it's where I learned about it and kind of I had to relearn how to teach when I was in South Korea and Japan because I taught in, in international schools. And this is something that was really big over there. So it's really structuring your classroom in a way that just allows students to have an active role in their education. And it breaks it down for your kids and lets them know what they're learning and why they're learning. And it gives them that choice. So it's a little bit different and I'm seeing it more and more over here in the States, but it, it is a little bit, a little bit newer. It's interesting when I taught third, fourth, and fifth, and I I was all about, I I really hated standing up in front of the class for longer than 10 minutes, but I was all about having hands-on stations. Okay, we're going to learn about, you know, magnets. You have three ways that you can learn about this. So make your choice and giving kids that, that choice. What do you think that activates yeah, that's, that's that. so important. Um, just letting them explore and ask questions, I think, is just the main, one of the main strongest points in student agency and letting them reflect on their own learning. So it takes um, the ownership and it takes it from the teacher and, and gives it to the students and lets them become an active, active contributor in what they're learning and what they're doing in the classroom. You said it's a highly structured yeah, yeah. and collaborative process, which can you talk about that? Because when I, when I think student agency, I guess like I don't always think about it being highly structured. So talk about that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So the process um, in my classroom, when we got started with it, I would have to just break down what does it look like? What does the word agency actually mean? So that's kind of your your base point for your kids, because a lot of the kids, they're not going to know what it means. And it, it can be scary if you go to your classroom and you say, all right, now it's your turn. Now you're going to have agency over what we're doing and what we're learning. But it is, it's a lot of backward planning as a teacher and knowing where you want to go, because you're still going to have constraints with your curriculum, what you're asked to do as a teacher, what you're asked to teach as a teacher, um, maybe what your principal is saying you need to do as a school, you're always gonna have that as a teacher, but there are ways to add in student agency that allows you to have the students kind of do their own thing in a way that is safe, because you have to keep your kids safe in your classroom and you have to be able to create opportunities for them to learn that goes along with what you're supposed to be learning in your curriculum, depending on where you are. So you say it's voice, choice, and action. What Mm -hmm. does that mean? So incorporating student voice. So the students have a say in what they're learning or what they would like to learn and where you're going in the curriculum and lessons. And they have choice, how they show their learning. So that's a really, really big one. And then the action is 
what they do to take action to show their learning. So sometimes that could be taking action, small action within the classroom. Sometimes that could be taking action within the school community. It kind of just depends what you're learning and um, what you want to achieve and what you want your kids to achieve. Yeah. And, and you say like, you know, you know, your students best. So some, oh, yeah. some, and some years, some classes can have, you know, I guess hour to hour for middle school and high school teachers, but that student agency can look so different. I'm assuming class to class. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So I taught fifth grade and third grade. So my wheelhouse is in just lower upper elementary, but definitely you, it, it's applicable to younger kiddos, high school kiddos. It kind of just depends where you are, but it's definitely, you can use it in, in all, with all age groups. So we know the why is, you know, to get that ownership of their learning and Mm -hmm. therefore they will be more engaged. So let's move on to the second point, which is getting started. Like, how do you even, yeah, like, okay, now we've inspired the listeners, but how do they actually do this? Yeah. Oh, and this is a big one. So like I said before, just unpacking and modeling the very first first week. So you gotta you gotta come in with a plan. And it, it is easier. Thankfully when I was teaching I had a really awesome teaching team and we were all on the same page with this and I had a great principal and the school was all on the same page. So that made it easier for me in order to introduce it to my kids. And my kiddos had come from fourth grade so they knew kind of already what it was gonna be like because they had done this in fourth grade as well. But making sure if I had a new kiddo that they were on board. So unpacking what agency meant breaking down the word and modeling that for my students so I could read books about it I could we could come up with word walls just talking about it having discussions that's a huge thing and it has to start with like the first day you walk into the classroom setting that up for your kids what about parents how do parents because I mean I always go back to when we went into common core math and how parents like still to this day complain about it (laughs) because it wasn't the way they learned math now I get it there's some extreme things in common core we don't even have to totally go down that path but I think like this parent buy-in has to be key here yeah definitely so the way that we did it we invited parents in for information sessions like right away we also sent out google surveys for parents that they could use to respond to like what they thought school was, what they thought learning was, what they wanted out of school, what they thought their child's strengths were. So we could get kind of a barometer of where the parents were in their understanding of what it would look like to have so much student agency within the classroom. And then opening a line of communication for parents was so important for us because I wanted to make sure that parents felt comfortable and that they could talk to their kids about what was going on in our classroom and they felt I guess they felt empowered as well and they could come to me if they had any questions too. So it was just a lot of front loading and making sure everyone was on the same page. Yeah, definitely. What would you say are some of the things that a teacher needs to kind of remember as they're prepping and starting the school year? That it's important and it's okay to know that you're, it's not going to be perfect. I don't think I've ever seen a teacher do this perfectly Um, And that's okay. There's going to be times that you don't really, maybe you're not confident. Maybe you're like really out of your comfort zone. I know for me, when I first started incorporating more student agency into my classroom, I was 
honestly really uncomfortable at first because I'm such a planner and I have to know exactly what to do like at all times in order to feel comfortable but letting a little bit of that go and letting a little bit of my plans just say okay it's okay it's okay that it's happening that's kind of what you need to focus on and what you need to think about before the school year starts and then just making sure that you're on the same page as your other teammates um, and just having a, the talk through about what it's going to look like and where you want to go. I recently heard Brene Brown say, when perfection is in the driver's seat, guilt and shame is the passenger. Oh, yeah. And I thought, wow, does this apply to teachers? I'm going to write a whole article about this, like how I think this applies to teachers, because I think as educators, we suffer from that perfectionism a little bit sometimes. Yeah, maybe definitely. Not. And, <sighs> and it really is, if you think about it, when we are grasping on to perfectionism, especially when we're doing something new, it's out of the fear of like, what if this fails or yes. doesn't work? Or what if a parent comes to me and shames me for trying to do something new? Like I think about when I was back teaching at the first school I taught at, I won a grant for guided reading. So we did this program called Success for All, and it was literally a scripted program. Like I had to read from a script. And I won this grant for guided reading. And so my principal comes in one day, and I had finished my Success for All, and we were doing guided reading. And I won the grant from like a larger Chicago public school initiative. So it wasn't like I was just kind of you know, doing this on my own. She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm doing guided reading. And she's like, who gave you permission to do guided reading? And I was like, I, I won this grant and I think it's the right way to teach reading. And she was like, so then she, she called me into her office the next day and she's like, listen, you're a great teacher. Your scores are amazing. I'm going to let you go do guided reading, but shut your door and don't let anyone know. Oh gosh. And it's like, she almost shamed me for taking these risks, which is hilarious because I mean, guided reading was what became the thing shortly after that. But anyway, it's, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here, but I do think we have to let go of even if you stand in front of your classroom the whole time with a script, it's still not going to be perfect. So we have yeah, to let exactly. go of that and know that sometimes, you know, you're going to get better and better each year. Yeah. yeah. Talk about rubrics and how that plays an important role in this. Sure. Yeah. So uh, one thing that we made sure to, to talk to our kids about was the rubrics that we were using um, in order to show their learning. And we shared those rubrics with our kiddos. Um, So they were rubrics for understanding on a four point scale. And the kids were taught and we, it was a lot of scaffolding, but we taught them how to assess themselves for skill development, which was super helpful. Just breaking down like each section of the rubric to make sure that the kids knew what they needed to do in order to prove that they knew what they were learning and that they knew what they were talking about. Cause it's one thing to like say that, you know, something it's another thing to actually show that, you know, something. Yes. Yeah. And how does their reflection process play into this? Sure. So for us, it was a ongoing reflection time. So it didn't, it did take place at the end of what we were doing um, for our units, but it started at the beginning and our kiddos knew that they had to reflect and they had to, be reflective learners. So that's something that we talked about all the time and it could look different. So it could be like a journal entry, it could be a discussion. Um, They could make a video, they could have, they could make a piece of art anyway to show their learning and to show 
what they were doing was what we wanted them to do. Great. Sounds fun, actually. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's always better to stop and reflect through the process, I think. It's important when it's all over to reflect, but, um, you know, teaching that skill early on is is essential for the workplace environment of today. Yeah, definitely. So let's move on to the third part of this, which is the ways that you incorporate student agency into the classroom setting. So you say start small. Yeah. So for me, what that looked like was just working through how student voice looked like in my classroom. So I used a lot of visual thinking routines and that's out of Project Zero um, from the Harvard Graduate School of Education. So I, I really love them. And the one that we used as a classroom all the time was called a chalk talk. And it's a great way to get your students like up and moving. And I would put prompts on like giant pieces of paper. And the kiddos would walk around and they would respond to the prompts. And then they could respond to each other's prompts. And then we would have a discussion over what we were learning and discussion discussing. So that's a, I, like I love it. that one. Yeah, I like that too, because it it equals the playing field for kids who are maybe a little more pensive and Mm -hmm. need a little bit more time to think before they share. And it kind of equals that that playing field. You say using a Google survey helps. Talk about that. Yeah, so this is another one for student voice. Google surveys, I used it quarterly with my kids as a check-in. So it was anonymous if the students wanted it to be. And it asked questions about how I was teaching, what we were learning in class, if there was any social anxiety, anything. It asked like a a huge list of questions for the kids to respond to. There was open-ended questions, yes, no questions. And it just gave me a good uh, feedback on what I was doing and how I was teaching and how the kids were responding to that. And then just making sure that my kids knew that I wasn't judging them based on what their answers were. And I wanted them to be as honest because it was equally helping me as it was helping them. So beyond that feedback, what else did you do as assessments and check-ins? We, um, my school did something called formative and summative assessment. So one summative assessment at the end of our unit. Throughout the unit, we were focusing on how organizations were structured and created. So I asked my kiddos to form a team, um, to form an organization that positively uh, like impacted our classroom community, our larger school community. So our kids, using what we went and learned about in the unit, they had to create their own organization. So the outcome for that was someone created a community garden. We have kids who organized reading buddies. We had a kiddo make an aquaponics pond. So it's kind of, it's open-ended in the way that they show their learning. And that's a huge part of what student agency is, is allowing kids to show their learning in different ways. And then, you know, beyond that, were there any other type of assessments that you would use or ways that students could show what they know? Yeah, so um, just our normal run-of-the-mill paper-pencil assessment, we did those um, because I think it is important to have kids know how to do that skill because that's something that they're going to have to use in high school and college. So that wasn't completely out the window. That was definitely something that we did. Um, We had kids make videos, a lot of discussions that were happening, kind of like the way that you would think maybe you have a kid that's really um, loves art. So they created an art piece to show what they were learning. But most of the time, we would tell the kids how they would be assessed at the beginning of the unit and then work towards that assessment piece. 
Perfect. Any last tips or thoughts on, um, you know, this process and student agency that you would want to share with teachers that are, are starting down this path? Yeah, um, I think just one thing to think about is, like we said before, it's not going to be perfect. Um, and it's, it is kind of scary to get started, but incorporating student agency in your classroom, it does take time but it is so worth it to see the growth that your students make and the way that your students are gonna to connect to the learning and just how creative your students can be if you give them opportunities to be creative. It, it blows my mind, some of the stuff that my kids are able to come up with and the ways that they showed their learning, but just stay with it. I know it can be scary, but it, it's definitely worth it. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the E2E podcast. You were a pleasure to just listen to speak. It's very clear you're passionate about this. Also, Jennifer wrote a blog on this topic. So if you head over to educatorstoeducators.com backslash blog, you will see she wrote this all up for you so you can have it nice and tidy in one convenient place. So Jennifer, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Carrie. And a reminder to all of you, the dates for Teacher Summer Reboot have been announced. It is a three-day event this year, so make sure you check that out on July 16th, 17th, and 18th. Get that marked in your calendar. Registration details will be coming soon. Until next time, my friends, keep on teaching on.